Nick at Night is a production of Council Communications. Welcome to the Nick at Night Show, folks. We've got a bucket full of stuff to go over tonight. Uh, as I mentioned uh, in my preamble on, on Facebook, uh, Tom Harris will be joining us uh, any moment now. Uh, <clears throat> he'll be calling in. He's with the Climate Science Coalition. He'll be talking about uh, a number of things, one of which is, and I, I didn't even know this was going on, but apparently they are re-airing uh, The Inconvenient Truth by Al Gore. So he'll be giving us... <laughs> Uh, apparently I'm not the only one because attendance isn't quite what they expected so we'll talk about that there's a bunch of other things that are going on he'll spend about a half an hour with us and then we're going to get into what's going on in the United States there's North Korea to talk about there's uh, you know what while I'm waiting uh, just to kind of wet your whistle a little bit I wrote a piece uh, earlier today on um, if I can just find it real quick here on my general level of frustration uh, about the way things are pursued. Where did it go? Maybe it's over here. No. Uh, play, yeah, okay. I, now, I thought I had this all ready to go. You would think by now. I wrote it. No, really, I did. Am I scrolling right by it? I don't see it. Uh, do, 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 do. Let me go back home. Anyway, I wrote a, a bit of an editorial on how I feel about what's going on in the world, uh, and I thought I had it. Let me go here and look for it. Uh, do, 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 do. Anyway, it just let, outlines my frustration about, um, let's see if I can find it this way. Uh, let's see about just how the whole world is working right now. It's it's enough to just make me grit my teeth. <sighs> okay, let's see if that's it. Yes, here it is. All right, so Tom's called in, but give me... You know what? I'm not going to keep Tom waiting. I can save this for later. Let me just bring him on here. So we'll click that little button. Uh, let's see. Uh, I click that little button. There we go. Come on. Talk to me there. We see the little circle. There we go. Tom, is that you? Yeah, that's me, Nick. Excellent. Nice to have you on the show, Tom. This is Tom Harris. 
He is with the Climate Science Coalition. Have I got that right? Yeah, International Climate Science I forgot Coalition. international. I knew there was a word. It seemed too short. The International Climate Science Coalition. It's a pleasure to have you back in on the show again. And uh, there's always plenty of, to talk about, certainly uh, when you're on the show. Uh, l- let's start. I was mentioning in the preamble to the show, um, in my opening comments, that Al Gore's movie, The Inconvenient Truth, is back in theaters. Maybe you want to make some comments about uh, that and uh, what people can, you know, do, just, I'm going to quit talking and let you start. How's that? <laughs> okay, sure. Uh, it's called An Inconvenient Sequel, Truth to Power. Okay, and this is supposedly a continuation of uh, Al Gore's film that he did in 2006, An Inconvenient Truth. And, and you know, the, the strange thing is that he uses this word truth as if he knows what's going on. <laughs> yeah. But in fact, no one, no one actually knows the truth about climate change and not even the world's leading experts. Yeah, and that's, I think, one of the, the great things. If there's, I, was, I said to somebody today, probably you, that the inconvenient truth about the inconvenient truth is there is no truth in the inconvenient truth, even its sequel. That's, uh, that's right. And... And I think, you know, it's probably, a lot of people are probably surprised, you know, think, what, 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 how can there not be a truth? Well, you know, we have to go back. And French philosopher Voltaire, he said, if you wish to converse with me, define your terms. So I guess we better define what I mean by truth. You know, different people have different opinions as to what truth is. But I like the definition that Plato gave, okay, centuries ago. He said, and here's the way I remember it. He said that truth is something that is universal necessary and certain okay now that's easy to remember because universal necessary and certain that's unc which is the united nations climate <laughs> so that's how i remember it and and what he meant is that it's universal in the sense that it applies everywhere okay whether you're in athens or sparta or on a planet revolving around the star alpha centauri truth is still true okay it applies also every when not just everywhere but every when in other words now in five minutes or in a billion years so that's the first element of what plato defined as truth universal okay the the second part is necessary truth is necessary it must be the way it is there is no other explanation possible the united nations actually labels some of their conclusions essentially necessary they say they are unequivocal Okay, that's the word they use, unequivocal. We can talk about that later because it's interesting. It doesn't even matter whether you're on the left or the right of the political spectrum. Philosophers say that that UN statement uh, doesn't make any sense at all. The next one is that it has to be certain, okay? Universal, necessary, and certain. In other words, it's not a matter of probability. It's in the bank, okay? So truth applies to things like mathematics. Two plus two equals four. That's true. Uh, and the chess, okay, the, the, the rook moves in a certain way and the queen moves in a certain way. In other words, anything where we make the rules, we can say what truth is. But it never applies to our findings about nature, okay, because all we have is scientists interpreting observations and coming up with their opinions. And, you know, the interesting thing, Nick, is that because scientists uh, have different opinions, some even say that we're headed for global cooling, then obviously truth does not apply to climate change. It's people's opinions based on the observations. So that's really an important thing for us to understand, is that the very premise of Al Gore's movie, An Inconvenient Truth, 
uh, Truth to Power, you know, the one that's on now, mm-hmm. is it doesn't make any sense. It just simply is irrational. And you think Al Gore, who didn't take a lot of science in, in university, apparently he got a C and a D in the two science courses he took, but you would have thought he'd have studied a little bit of philosophy, because philosophers since ancient times have recognized that observations do not prove truth, okay, because we all have biases. And, and you know, that idea that we have biases, that's a really interesting point. Um, I'm taking a course right now called The Science Wars. It's with the great courses, and people can look it up on the web. It's taught by Professor uh, Stephen Goldman from Lehigh University in Chicago. And what it is, it's essentially about this argument about truth in science. And, you know, it's sort of amazing. How can you have like a 13, um, you know, lesson course on truth in science? Well, once you get into it, you realize there's a lot more to this than meets the eye. It's an argument that's been going on for many centuries as to whether we really find truth. And, you know, if we actually go back to um, Sir Francis Bacon, uh, he actually said that our observations um, are very much influenced by our bias, okay? And, and I'll just I have to switch screens here because my computer just said it's just about out of power. So I'm going to switch to a, okay. a low-power screen. I'll turn it off here, and that'll mean I can continue and I won't be interrupted. Shouldn't, I should have charged before I got on, on air. Eh? <laughs> um, but this, yeah, this low-power screen will probably keep it. That's right. Yeah, it'll keep us going for a while. Anyway, um, English philosopher Francis Bacon, he said that the mind was the obstacle to under, uh, uncovering nature. In other words, he said that the way that we think so much influences what we interpret that he called them the idols of the mind, okay? And he had the idols of the tribe, the idols of the marketplace, the idols of the cave, and things like that. And the most interesting one is the idol of the tribe. And this means that as human beings, we're inclined to think and reason in ways that are not correct. For example, we tend to put more importance on positive evidence than we put on negative evidence. In other words, if we're looking for something and there's five examples of positive evidence and five examples of negative, we consider it overwhelmingly positive. (laughs) And, And the other thing that we do all the time, this is a natural human tendency, we tend to look for attractive patterns in our experience that are not really there, okay? Uh, and, and so when you look at all of these different idols of the mind, how they influence our observations, what you realize is that you cannot say that truth is determined by our observations because it's very much a function of who is looking. <laughs> and, you know, um, Mark Twain, I, I love his quote. He said, it ain't what you don't know that gets you into trouble. It's what you know for sure that just ain't so. <laughs> and, 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 you know, that's the point. I mean, so many people know for sure the truth about climate change. But, you know, everybody's got a different opinion. So, what, do you have like a thousand different truths? No, they're all they're just opinions. And so Gore's movie is, is wrong right from the start. <laughs> well, let's take Mr. Gore to task on a few things. We don't have to go down the list very far. But he's been, he, right from, oh, man, he first hit the scene with this stuff right around the year 2000, if my memory is correct. Maybe even, no, maybe even before that, back in the 90s, after he was done being, you know, that uh, almost ha- almost was, has been washed up second-rate politician that was VP for a while under Bill Clinton, um, he decided to go environmental and, um, I almost said postal. Uh, but, yeah, uh, <laughs> that's almost the same. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, the bottom line is he but yeah, made yeah, a bunch of your... predictions. Well, he, he made forecasts that, 
don't even make any sense. Yeah. I mean, he said, for example, that the World Trade Center uh, could be underwater if we had a severe melting. He said this. Here's the quote from the 2006 film. He said, if Greenland broke up and melted, or if half of Greenland and half of West Antarctic broke up and melted, he says, this is what would happen. And he shows movies, you know, showing Florida being inundated. And he says, but this is what would happen to Manhattan. And he shows that much of the city is underwater, including where the World uh, Trade Memorial was going to be built. So now he claims in his most recent movie that he forecasted correctly and he shows video of Hurricane Sandy. But Hurricane Sandy wasn't caused by sea level rise. It was caused by, you know, the, the flooding was caused by a massive storm. It was a storm surge. It was a combination of some sea level rise, but mostly storm surge because you know, it was a big, bulk, big uh, hurricane, you know, blowing in the water. So the media are not calling him on this, okay? He's saying that he made a, an accurate forecast. But the forecast he made is different to what he's now saying he said. And the media are not holding him to it, you know? It, it's really ridiculous. The other thing, of course, is he said in 2007 when he got the Nobel Prize, he said that, and he was citing these forecasts, that by 2014 there could be an ice-free Arctic in the summer, well, that obviously hasn't happened. In fact, in 2017, this year, there was more sea ice than in 2012. So it actually increased in that frame. And, and, you know, other things, extreme weather, okay? He loves this business of extreme weather. In fact, the most recent film is, you know, I haven't seen it yet because, I mean, it's a little bit like paying to practice bleeding. Um, you know, I, I'll wait till it comes to... I'll wait till it comes out for free, but I've watched the trailers and read people's um, reviews of it. And what he focuses on is extreme weather. Now, here's the weird thing, okay? Al Gore, in a movie in 2017, is focusing on extreme weather, supposedly having increased as a result of human uh, burning of fossil fuels. The thing is, here's, it's, we're actually making a record now of the longest period with no hurricanes uh, category three or above, which is, you know, significant, yeah. hitting the U.S. In fact, the U.S. has seen a decrease of about 20% in hurricane frequency and intensity at landfall since 1900. Okay, so, in other, and I have a, an article here that I'm working on with Madhav Kandekar, who's an extreme weather expert, and he says, Tri tropical cyclone activity is at its lowest level in 40 years worldwide. <laughs> okay, so, so Gore is picking... Yeah, well, Gore is picking this extreme weather issue as something to focus on in the year 2017. And yet, we look at the actual records, and we see that there's nothing happening except a slight decrease in quite a few parameters. Certainly, in the case of hurricanes, it's a big decrease. But, you know, the record for the most out largest outbreak of tornadoes, for example, was the first two days of 1974 in the United States. There was 250 tornadoes spawned. And the thing that's amazing about that is they were still in a global cooling period, okay? Yeah, <laughs> so God. Gore is telling us that, that the warming that really isn't happening uh, is going to cause all these terrible things. But not only are these terrible things not happening, uh, the, the fact is the cooling is what leads to more extreme weather. And, and if you think about it, it makes sense because weather is driven by the difference in temperature and therefore pressure between different regions. Right. Yeah, I mean, that's what blows the weather around, okay? And so if the UN was right, and if, in fact, we were headed to, uh, you know, global warming disaster, they say the first place it will occur is in the Arctic and the Antarctic, you know, in the high latitudes. 
And what that would mean is the temperature difference between the poles and the lower latitudes would actually reduce. Okay, so it's kind of like rolling a marble down a hill. The steeper the hill, the faster the marble goes. Well, in the case of the global warming theory, if indeed uh, we are causing dangerous global warming, it's supposed to get warmer at the poles first, which means that the slope, so to speak, or the temperature difference between the poles and the equator, or poles and you know, mid-latitudes, would be less. In other words, our ruler or our, our you know, whatever we're rolling our ball down right. is becoming less steep. So extreme weather will reduce, okay, in a warmer world. And, and it's interesting that if you look at the history, what you find is it was during colder time periods, like the Little Ice Age in the 1700s, when we had the most extreme weather. And there was really extreme weather then. I mean, they had complete towns on the coast that were washed away by storm surge in the 1700s. And that was during the Little Ice Age. So, I mean, if Gore could, I, I don't know how he could be more wrong. I, well, I suppose maybe his first time, film was more at, wrong. Find <laughs> way. Listen, Tom, I got to stop you there for a moment. I got to play a couple of commercials. So you just stay right there. There's plenty more to talk about. Sure. Uh, with my guest, Tom Harris. We'll be right back after this. EMM Group is the authorized Integraspec distributor for the greater Ottawa area, providing technically advanced insulated concrete forms. The design virtually eliminates waste while providing the ultimate energy-efficient, quiet homes and structures. With over 40 years' experience in the concrete industry, EMM offers the best product to homeowners and contractors. Canadian-made Integraspec is now being used worldwide. More info can be found at Integraspec.com. Don't consider building any other way. Call your ICF specialist, 613-835-2600. Ron Barr, General Manager and CEO of the Greater Ottawa Truckers Association, the voice of independent truckers in the Ottawa area and proud supporters of Nick at Night. Every day we go to work to help build a better eastern Ontario, and safety is our top priority. Every start of the shift, our drivers perform inspections on their truck, so we ensure that our drivers go home to their families each night, and you, the public, have confidence that the big truck beside you is safe. If you have any issues relating to any size truck, I encourage you to contact me at 613-738-1639. Let's build a better, fatality-free Ottawa together. All right. Joining me on the phone is Tom Harris of the International Climate Science Coalition. And we've been talking about Al Gore's uh, latest Inconvenient Truth. I thought it was the original movie. No, Tom set me straight on that pretty quick. Uh, It's his most recent one. And uh, so we just were having a little fun with with him and with some of the predictions that he's been talking about. Um, Let's talk for a moment, Tom, if you don't mind, about the impact of this carbon tax, if you feel comfortable enough talking about that, because this is all supposed to be under the guise of defending the planet against catastrophic climate change. Uh, and you also, the other, I just make a quick comment in passing. I've never had anybody yet explain to me why having global warming happen would be a bad thing. Like, how is longer growing yeah. seasons and less cold better or worse than the opposite? I just have never understood that. So if you want to jump on that, go right ahead. Yeah, sure. I mean, if you look at human history, our periods of growth and development were during the warm times. Okay, the Roman warm period, the Minoan warm period, the medieval warm period was when they built the great cathedrals in Europe. And, of course, now we're, we're doing very well. In fact, you know, I, Matt Hapkandikar is from India. He's one of our, 
uh, advisors. He's an extreme weather expert. He was formerly with Environment Canada. And he said to me, I think it was him, it was one of the Indian scientists, he said, you Canadians are strange. You're worried about global warming in Canada? He said, <laughs> you know, India, India has warmed more than the rest of the world, and yet it was already hot to start. And they'd have, they've had the green revolution. Okay, so where does this idea come from that warming is a bad thing? I mean, you know, especially if you follow the computer models, the computer models that they use to forecast catastrophe, they tell you where the warming is going to occur. And, and you'll just get a good laugh out of this, Nick. They say the warming will be mostly at night, in the winter, in the high latitudes. Now, I don't Bring know that there's too many animals. Yeah, so how many animals are going to care if it's minus 35 instead of minus 40 in the Yukon? Uh, you know, I mean, where, where's the danger? It's just not there. And, well, so, well, the and so the carbon tax... Sorry? I said, oh, but the permafrost might melt. So? <laughs> yeah, at minus, 30, minus 35 instead of minus 40. Oh um, my God, yeah, the, the thing about the, the, the carbon tax is, first of all, misnamed. It's a carbon dioxide tax. Yeah, I mean, carbon tax is like, yeah, I mean, and people have to say that because most people remember from elementary school that carbon dioxide is plant food. And <laughs> calling it carbon is kind of a sleight of hand, if you think about it, because carbon is soot. Carbon is graphite in, in diamonds, actually. <clears throat> and so, in fact, carbon, you know, a lot of people think of it as black and dirty, except when it's really compressed and it becomes diamonds. That's right. But um, carbon, carbon dioxide is invisible. So it's a trick. And, you know, nobody on our side should call it a carbon tax. We should call it, I mean, it's a short form. But, you know, the idea of using a short form that distorts an argument is, is really a bad idea. I mean, let's say, let's say, for example, you were a person promoting equal rights for different races, and you found that a short slang term for, for one race was easier than saying the longer term. <laughs> well, you wouldn't do that, okay? It might be quicker, but it would defeat the purpose of, of your argument. You yeah, know? I mean, that wouldn't make any sense. Nobody knows what it is. They so, just know the acronym. Yeah, that's right. So we shouldn't call it carbon pollution. It certainly isn't pollution. Obama used to call it carbon pollution. We should call it carbon dioxide. And, and you know, even this term greenhouse gases is a kind of trick term because greenhouse gases includes carbon dioxide, which is about 80% of the you know, greenhouse gases that we emit from industry. Um, but greenhouse gases also include pollution, like CFCs. Okay, they're greenhouse gases as well. And you might consider methane uh, pollution as well. So when you mix it all up under the wrong title, uh, you get away with a lot. And, and the conservatives should not do that. They should call it carbon dioxide. And they should oppose it, of course. And that's the sad thing in Canada, is that we have conservatives at the provincial and federal level, who with some exceptions, like Brad Trost and Cheryl Gallant at the federal level, they, they all generally support the climate scare. They just have different solutions. Yeah, and one of the things that uh, has, has occurred to me is I know you're having more success getting the word out south of the border than you are here in Canada. Is it just Canadian hard-headedness that, for some reason, the media is more receptive to it in the United States? Uh, it's a bigger market, no doubt about it, and I'm glad that, from what I understand, you're, you're getting a, some exposure down there. But at the same time, I'm getting the feeling, because I haven't seen much by your organization in Canadian newspapers lately. Uh, what's the story there? What's going on? 
Well, ever since the election was announced when Harper was still in power, uh, the media have in Canada have lined up behind the Liberals on the climate issue. I mean, we have gone from regular publishing in newspapers like the Ottawa Citizen, the Hamilton Spectator, and, you know, we've gone from regular publishing in those papers to zero. And that's clearly because they've lined up behind the Liberals. In the United States, we get published every day. Okay, and so it's kind of fortunate most of our donations come from the U.S. because that's a good way to keep them flowing. Yeah, <laughs> but there's, there's a good reason for it, Nick. A lot of politicians think they have to follow public opinion. But, you know, it's interesting because there was a study done at Yale University, I believe it was Yale, and uh, Drexel, and they actually were looking at what is the main drivers of public opinion. And the main driver was the opinion of the elites in society, in particular the politicians. So one of the reasons the uh, media go along with the climate scare in Canada is because the conservatives go along with it. I mean, I've been told by people within the party that they'll switch sides, they'll support climate realism, as we call it, in other words, the skeptic side. They'll support it when the public go along. But they've got it backwards. In the United, St in the United States... Trump has led the way. He's opened the door, really, to a lot more skepticism. And the media are now publishing a lot more. So, in fact, the elites in society, this is what should happen. I mean, our leaders should be leading, not following the press. So they but, in fact, what's happening, yeah, what's, what's happening in Canada is that, indeed, our politicians are simply following the press. And, uh, you know, they're not leading at all. So, in other words, they've forgotten what Winston Churchill said about history. He said, if I get the quote right, he said, history will be will be kind to me because I intend to write it. So, in other words, he yeah, was going to right. lead. He wasn't interested in following. And there's a lot. I, I've always said that, that. That's one of the reasons why guys like Ronald Reagan were so wildly successful. He won four, not two, but four landslide elections in a row to his governor of California and to his president of the United States. And his attitude was, this is who I am. This is what I believe believe in come and follow me and people did in droves because there's a huge hunger for leadership right now that's not being filled too many politicians stick your finger in the wind and try to figure out which way the political wind is blowing when they got the, their hand on the fan yeah and, and i think the worst example is patrick brown oh. i mean you remember what happened when he met with met with the uh, conservative you know can, uh, public generally speaking out in stittsville and, I mean, he basically said that he wasn't going to lose the election over climate change. But he also admitted that he didn't know if humans were causing dangerous climate change. And yet the next day he was on CFRA radio without Evan Solomon talking all about this great climate crisis. So, I mean, the bottom line is people like that. I mean, I'd rather see him lose and, you know, than, than have him win and just bring in another liberal under a conservative label. Yeah. Well, the thing with Patrick Brown is... He very well may lose, but it's him that's caused the problem. That's a, a little different uh, conversation than, you know, uh, you're used to but because you, you deal mostly with climate. But people realize that you can't have a double standard on this stuff. You either believe in climate change caused by us or you don't. And there's no middle ground, I don't think, on that on that argument because we either well, are or we're there's not. Well, actually, yeah, there, there is a middle ground, though. <clears throat> they call them lukewarmers. Okay, <laughs> they're, they're sort of a sub, they're a subclass of scientists, I guess you could say, a different species. They say, well, yes, we're causing some warming, 
but it's not worth a billion dollars a day to try to stop. It's not likely to be very dangerous. We can just adapt to it. And, you know, that's another fairly legitimate argument. I mean, those are people who say, like Pat Michaels, for example, from the Cato Institute, he used to be with the University of Virginia. Mm-hmm. He says, yeah, sure, we're causing warming, but so what? It's not very significant. It's not going to be serious. We can easily adapt. Sort of like the people in India, you know, they say, what are you worried about in Canada? A little, little increase. You know, one thing people have to realize, Nick, and this is something really important to maybe end on, is that the climate scare is not based on real data. Okay, real data shows what I was saying earlier on, that we're at a, you know, we're at a, we're at a low in hurricane intensity, we're at a low in tornadoes, we're at a low in all sorts of parameters. Um, the climate scare, and in fact, you know, since Al Gore got his Nobel Prize, the temperature, if you call it a temperature, it's kind of statistical average, of the Earth has actually dropped. Okay, since he got his Nobel Prize in 2007, the statistical average of the Earth's temperature has actually gone down. So none of the actual observations support the climate scare. The climate scare is driven by one thing, besides greed, of course, and ulterior motives. It's driven by the computer models. Okay, the computer models are programmed that if you put more CO2 in, the temperature is going to rise. So they decide that at the front, and they actually build the models to reflect that. And so not surprisingly, the computer models say that we're going to get a lot of global warming because China and India are developing so quickly. But that is the only thing the climate scare is based on. It's based on computer models of theoretical futures. Tom, it's always just just computer models. Yeah. It's always a pleasure talking to you. I, I certainly enjoy having you on the show, and we will have you back again in the near future because I have a feeling this issue isn't going anywhere anytime soon. And maybe next time we'll talk about, rather than what the problem is, assuming that the, the, all the, 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 chicken, the, the chicken littles running around screaming the sky is falling, people are right, what will be, what will be the best way to adapt rather than spending trillions of dollars trying to fix a problem that's well beyond our control? Sure. Yeah, I'd be happy to talk about that next time. All right. Well, uh, unfortunately, we have run out of time for now. Thank you very much, Tom, and I look forward to talking to you again soon. Great. Thanks, Nick. All right. Have a good night. Good night. All right. There we go. Okay. I'm going to take a quick break. When we come back, we will get into the the other things uh, that we have on the schedule. So you guys stay right there. I'm going to play a couple of ads, and then we'll be right back with hour or the the end of the first hour Irwin was renting space on the corner of Bank and Heron. His encyclopedic knowledge of all things mechanical and his no-bull honesty has resulted in his second move. He now operates a huge facility on Cleopatra, eight bays and an expert staff that operate all in the same wavelength. Honesty, integrity, <coughs> try to save the customers some money and headaches but fix it right the first time. Irwin's Automotion, 34, Cleopatra. Tell them Council sent you. That'll make them smile. EMM Group is the authorized Integraspec distributor for the greater Ottawa area, providing technically advanced insulated concrete farms. The design virtually eliminates waste while providing the ultimate energy-efficient, quiet homes and structures. With over 40 years' experience in the concrete industry, EMM offers the best product to homeowners and contractors. Canadian-made Integraspec is now being used worldwide. More info can be found at Integraspec.com. Don't consider building any other way. Call your ICF specialist, 613-835-2600.
Unless I missed my guess, that is the theme song to one of the worst movies I've ever seen. <laughs> Starship Trooper. Oh, boy, that was bad. Oh, man. I guess in the science fiction, it apparently comes from a really good book, which is one of those failed attempts to turn a good book into a good movie, and it just didn't work. At least I didn't like it much. Uh, and I am a science fiction fan. I like good science fiction. Uh, it just didn't pan out that way. Uh, let's see. Oh, I got my mute mic. Okay, so you can actually hear what I'm saying. That's good. All right. Um, now, <clears throat> let me share with you uh, this little uh, commentary I wrote uh, to start to uh, kick off this section of the show because I just am frustrated beyond belief about the way that things are being reported these days. So I, I'm going to read this to you. I wrote it earlier today. There's been a lot of comment on it on Facebook. And uh, I just want to share it with you because it really does get to what I think is one of the problems we are, we're having today. It starts out like this. I'm growing tired of the content, continuous sense of outrage that some people never seem to let go of when it comes to things that have no impact on them, when at the same time they sit quietly by and watching things that do matter go unprotested just because their guys doing or saying things they would crucify their opponents for. Trudeau wants to ban the already approved arms sale to Saudi Arabia because Canadian-made weapons might be used against civilians within the kingdom of Saad, but never say never say a peep about where the country got the money to buy these weapons in the first place. They rage about tweets from a foreign leader who should have his cell phone dropped through a shredder for not condemning violence in Charlottesville fast enough, but never lifted an eyebrow when the previous White House resident never, resident never said a word about exactly the same kind of violence in several U.S. cities. The double standard is enough to choke a horse. I get the fact that all political leaders should be held accountable for what they say or do, but that if that is true for one president, surely then it's true for all of them. Here at home, we have the same problem. Trudeau says and does things that not only get a pass, but are applauded, while former Prime Minister Harper would be nailed to the wall for exactly the same things. The reason for this is because common sense, logic, and reason are under attack in the Western world, especially in the U.S. That's because if the rights enshrined within the U.S. Bill of Rights can be destroyed there, they will quickly vanish Sorry, they will quickly vanish in every other country that claims to cherish these same principles. Just like in economics, if the U.S. goes down, we go with them. We need to stop fighting amongst ourselves and identify those who are working from a myriad of positions and stand up to them. This is why the Google story matters. This is why the removal of statues matters. And it's why taking back our institutions of higher learning from the Marxists that run them matters. If we fail at this, then we are truly doomed. We will become nothing more than prisoners on death row, knowing our freedoms are going to die. It's only a matter of when. And that just, you know what, that might not be perfectly written. Uh, I'm certainly no great eloquent speechwriter, but when it comes down to it, I'm just fed up with this. This ongoing, double, when you stand back and you look at the greater picture, Okay, I'm going to play you a clip here in a minute. Talk about feeding the double standard. It's enough to make it crazy. Trump is, they've been going after Trump, and I'm not supporting or defending Trump. All I'm doing is laying out the historical record. Okay, everybody knows that the, the left wing elite, and by that I mean the Hollywood jet set crowd that flies over the middle of the country and doesn't pay any attention to what they call flyover country. Um, the, the people who run the mainstream media, the uh, political establishment. All those who have a vested interest in maintaining the way things work uh, without too much disruption uh, have been trying to get rid of Trump ever since he entered the race. 
I don't think there's any dispute about that. And that doesn't matter whether you like him or not. That's the truth. Okay, they, you, you can just, all you got to do is look back at the campaign, look back at the election results, look back at what's happened to him since he became president. They've never said, okay, we fought the good fight. By them, I mean the left and the progressives. They've ne they never said, oh, well, all right, look, we got to suck it up. We lost. Fair fight. You know, whether it was fair or not, it's not the point. At least, say, for the next four years, I'm just going to hold my nose and get back to living my daily life. They don't think that way. A friend of mine I had lunch with today made a very good point. He said, one of the problems in the Western world is that we do not understand how other people in other parts of the world uh, think. We do not understand how people from, from uh, Asia think. We do not understand how people from the Middle East think. We do not understand how the people in the Balkans think. We do not understand how people in India or Japan think. Each one of these has a different world perspective. And if we don't understand them, then we can't predict what they're going to do. Okay, And that's why we so often get it wrong is the fact that we've never taken the time to understand how they think and why they perceive the world the way they do. So when, to get back to this whole Obama thing, um, you know, this, this uh, clip I'm going to play here in a second, you've got Trump, who they've been going after with over this Russia meddling in a U.S. election, as if the story was real, first of all. And CNN has embarrassed itself right out of credibility, if it ever had any, um, just one fake news story after another. Okay, they've been caught lying. They've been caught making stuff up. They've been caught with their pants down more times than Carter's got little pink liver pills for those of you old enough to remember that phrase. So what I have for you is a clip um, from a U.S. congressman. I forget his name. Let's see if I can have a quick look if I've got it. Oh, I've got it right here. What are you doing, son? Okay, let me just... And he's... Uh, let's see. Uh, do... Oh, yeah. Senator Steve King. All right. So he's he's raising the issue. I want you to pay really close attention to and ask yourself, where is the mainstream media on this? This will take a second to get rolling because there's a little bit of script involved first. But stick with me. Uh, you'll appreciate this. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. I Listening to this debate, it strikes me that there's a few things that have been left out of this discussion, and um, I do support the uh, gentleman from Florida's uh, amendment, and, the, and I follow the, the ideology of this in the process. One of the things I would say to that is that as I listen to the gentleman from Tennessee address this subject matter and uh, raise his voice pretty strongly about the allegations of Obama versus Russians versus Putin, I would make a couple of points on this. One is, it's pretty clear that the Obama administration sent their people over to Israel to work against Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu pretty much openly, significant in that campaign over there. The President of the United States, with at least the moral support of the people that had worked for him in the country of Israel, seeking to shift the results of the election against the seated Prime Minister, Bibi Netanyahu. Then, um, the gentleman... Uh, Raider, no, I won't, I won't yield. I have a lot of things I must say, but thank you. Uh, then, then, the gentleman uh, did object to U.S. tax dollars being used. I just came back not that long ago from the Balkans, where I sat in a place uh, like Macedonia, and there I learned that the United States government, borrowing money from China and Saudi Arabia, had handed over somewhere at least $5 million in contracts transferred through USAID into George Soros organizations that were used to manipulate elections in the Balkans. And that's just particularly Macedonia, not including the neighboring countries that are there. And some of that money 
was used to translate Saul Alinsky's Rules for Radicals into Macedonians to distribute the books, and the Rules for Radicals and the Actions of Radicals were manifested within the election efforts uh, in that part of the world. So um, I would say that the Obama administration is a long ways from clean on this as far as being involved in elections in other countries, not to mention little comments like the British, if you vote Brexit, you're going to have to go to the back of the queue. Okay, so there you have it. That's a U.S. congressman talking uh, on the congressional floor about the dirty tricks that Obama's been pulling. And yet nobody, nobody, this came out July 27th. This is not old stuff. This is brand new. Okay, we only just found out about this. Obviously, what's today? The uh, uh, We're talking about the 8th. Yeah, 16th. So it's not even three weeks old yet. If it's three weeks old, that's it. Okay, and yet people are defending this. You want to talk about messing around in people's elections. First of all, this is not new by any stretch. If you read the book uh, Northern Fire, I think it's called Northern Fire, it's about how President Kennedy was trying to interfere in Canadian elections with Diefenbaker and Pearson because he didn't like Dief the chief. They did not get along at all. And I won't, you want to find out why Go get the book and read it. It's called Northern Fire. Uh, <clears throat> I can't remember the name of the author or I tell you. But it's, as far as I know, it's in bookstores right now. I've read it. Uh, my sons are reading it. And it's well worth the read if you want to understand the historical context. Like, Did you ever wonder how we ended up with a CF-104 Starfighter, for those of you who pay attention to this stuff, the F-5 Freedom Fighter, and the CF-101 Voodoo, when we should have had the Avro Arrow? It all had to do with the cancelling of the Avro Arrow and... The Bomark missile. So there was there was a lot of messing around in Canadian politics by an American president. This isn't new. But what is new is the fact that Obama took money and went into Macedonia and printed out a book designed to incite people to violence to change the outcome of an election in a foreign country. And the press sat on their hands and didn't say a thing. No investigative journalism, no exposés, no CNN panels, none of that stuff. And people wonder why I lose my mind when I see this stuff. Look, I'm not saying that Trump did everything right in Charlottesville. Okay, there's been so much going back and forth. It's a, I don't want to say who cares. It's a, it was a horrible event. It needs to be condemned. I condemn it roundly. I do not believe in racial purity. I do not believe in, in white supremacy or any of that crap. I believe one thing. It's called merit. It's the only thing I care about. And it's the only thing anybody should care about. You only care about the quality as, as uh, what was his name? Martin Luther King said, I care not for the color of a man's skin. I care about the character of his heart or something like that. You know, that's what matters. Not this kind of crap. That doesn't matter at all. But there there we have a president, Obama, guilty, or guilt, charged, I won't say guilty, charged by a U.S. Congress on the record, on the floor of the U.S. Congress for meddling in s- several different countries because it wasn't just Macedonia, it was also in Israel trying to defeat Benjamin Netanyahu. 
I have no doubt, although I, ha I can't back this up, my gut feeling, let me put it to you that way, in my opinion, it is very likely that the same kind of shenanigans went on here in Canada with Pierre Elliott Trudeau's election. Because how else do you give the Clinton Foundation, or why would you give the Clinton Foundation, it was either I, I, tens of millions of dollars to a defeated candidate, unless you're paying back a favor. Now, that's my opinion. There's nothing out there that I know of at the moment to back that up. But when you look at the track record, when you look at everything else that's going on, when you look at things like, okay, uh, what happened in Macedonia? What happened in Israel? Uh, you know, all the different things that Obama's now been accused of by a congressman on the floor of the Congress... Okay, so it goes into their version of the Hansard. How can you even think about... Uh, I'm not saying that Trump's not... didn't. There's no CNN admitted there was no story with the Donald Trump-Russia connection. They've, they've been caught on film a number of times making that claim. They understand there's a nothing story. It's a, it was a nothing burger, as one guy put it. Okay, they had nothing. Obama, they got plenty. And it sits on the griddle. And nobody wants to pick that burger up. Is it any wonder then? Like, you're seeing, right now, you're seeing a culture war in the United States as we sit here and talk. I'll get into that after the, the other side of this break. But man, I'm telling you, you had to hear that clip. Now, I'll post it on Facebook later if I don't already have it posted. But you've got to watch that, and you've got to think about the ramifications of what that Congressman, uh, Congressman uh, King is saying. Think about it. And I'll start to think about, okay, what does this mean? Why is the left turning a blind eye on one hand to this, and on the other hand, trying to make a story that doesn't exist. And CNN has admitted it that there's no nothing there. Trump's not guilty. Uh, you know they, they they can't find anything. The the people, the conservatives in the Western world are under assault, and it's about time we recognize that fact. So, this is the stuff that just. When I watch it, and I hear it, you know, I hear it on our own radio stations here. And just, people just, <sighs> on our local terrestrial talk show uh, in the morning, the main host, loves to just tear Trump apart. I'm not, look, he can do what he wants, it's his show. But isn't there something about being a little objective? Isn't there something about... You've got to be able to, if you're going to hold one person to, the, to a standard, then you have to hold everybody to that standard. Look, I'm not perfect by any stretch. And I'm probably guilty of dropping the ball on that a couple of times myself over my career. But I certainly try not to. I certainly try to hold our guys to the same standard as I'm holding them. So, you tell me. Give me a call at 343-700-4390. Or 844-562-4766. Or you can make comments on Facebook. And if I get a chance, uh, I'll, I'll, I certainly read them all. I just don't often get a chance to respond to them all. Um, but uh, leave a comment there. And, and uh, maybe during the break or even after the show, I'll, I can comment on them. Anyway, with that said, I have to play the commercials again. So hang on. We'll be right back after this.
distributor for the greater Ottawa area, providing technically advanced insulated concrete farms. The design virtually eliminates waste while providing the ultimate energy-efficient, quiet homes and structures. With over 40 years' experience in the concrete industry, EMM offers the best product to homeowners and contractors. Canadian-made Integraspec is now being used worldwide. More info can be found at Integraspec.com. Don't consider building any other way. Call your ICF specialist, 613-835-2600. For 17 years, I've been taking my cars to Irwin's Automotion. 17 years ago, Irwin was renting space on the corner of Bank and Heron. His encyclopedic knowledge of all things mechanical and his no-bull honesty has resulted in his second move. He now operates a huge facility on Cleopatra, eight bays and an expert staff that operate all in the same wavelength. Honesty, integrity, try to save the customers some money and headaches, but fix it right the first time. Irwin's Automotion, 34, Cleopatra. Tell them Council sent you. That'll make them smile. Okay, there's plenty of stuff to get to. I do want to make a comment, though, before I get into my other listed topics. Um, as I was mentioning before the show, during the test run-up to uh, to the show, with, um, I can't, forgive, forgive me, I can't remember his name, uh, but the caller who called in as a, as a guinea pig <laughs> uh, from Saskatchewan, we were talking about the re- resignation of Brad Wall, and that's a sad day. I mean, I don't blame him. Don't get me wrong. I, I'm certainly not, I don't have anything against him. He's he's not a, he's not a hardcore right wing conservative that I would I would like, but there is no question at all under any circumstances that I can think of that would not put him in the number one spot for the best premier of the country. There is no doubt of that at all. He's taken his province and turned it around. It's just you know it, the common sense things that he's done to help that province go from let's face it before Brad Wall got there. Uh, they basically had potash and, and wheat going for them. That's not necessarily bad. I'm not putting down the people of Saskatchewan by any means. They've got a pretty mean football team, too. Um, just ask my Tiger Cats. Anyway, the, the, uh, uh, to see someone who had the courage to stand up against Ottawa and say, we will not impose uh, a, a, car, a carbon dioxide tax. We're not going to play that game. Um, you know, these kinds of things. Um, again, to buck, buck the system in that sense uh, is extremely rare in Canadian politics. So I want to salute Brad and thank him for his years of service to the province of, Ontario, province of uh, Saskatchewan and to the country as a whole as a good example of what a real leader looks like. Now, you know, there's things about his politics I didn't necessarily agree with, but boy, I could take him, you know, I would take him as Premier for Ontario in a heartbeat in a heartbeat and yet we have three clowns uh, wink and blink and a nod or the three stooges if you want you figure out which one's Larry, which one's Curly and which one's Mo, because the three leaders of the three main parties in this province are all cut from the same cloth you don't get any, all you get is a different hairstyle and that's about it um, so anyway I just want to pass along my my um, Congratulations to, to Mr. Wall and certainly best wishes for the future 
because you know he can he has nothing to be ashamed of. Uh, he's certainly done his very best. Did he make mistakes? Of course he did. Everybody makes mistakes. We're human. But he never let them get in the way, and he always kept his, the, the people of his province first and foremost in his mind, and that, again, is something that is really rare. All right, now, let's start here. Uh, we've been talking about uh, Kathleen... Oh, my good Lord, how could I miss that? Kathleen Wynn. I think it was today. I haven't seen anything. Let me go to Bork.com, see if there's anything on, on it. Um, uh, for those of you who don't know what Bork is, it's a collection of news uh, links that I use sometimes for source for stories. Bork.com. Um, I just want to see if uh, Kathleen Wynn actually showed up uh, in Cornwall. Um, I'm not seeing anything in here right off the top. Uh, she was supposed to go to Cornwall to go to a um, um, a daycare center or a children's center or something like that. The last place I'd want her, but that's just me. Uh, I don't see anything there, so uh, I have a feeling she did. But it would have been really, really interesting. So if anybody, by the way, if anybody knows if she went let me know um, I would love to hear um, I would love to hear how that went because it would have been amazing to watch to have about 10 or 15 buses filled with people uh, parents as an example screaming at her about the latest legislation that takes away parental rights when it comes to teaching sexual morality based on their religious beliefs to their children that's a law. That's a thing in this province. If you are not teaching the, the government, towing the government line on sexual morality because of your religious points of view, that can be deemed child abuse, and the province can come in and take them away. Now, whether or not they will, that's not the point. The fact is they passed that law. How is that supposed to be democratic? I thought we had the freedom of religion in this country. Obviously, I'm wrong. So, that would be fun to watch. I'd like to see the people in Ke of Kempville en masse go down there and ask her why she closed the Kempville Agricultural College. Remember that? That was about a year, maybe 18 months, maybe a little bit longer now, but certainly under her watch. And have her explain to them how come those jobs never came back, how come there was never anything to fill that void. Why did she close it in the first place? They had plans in, in place to do a workaround so the college didn't have to close, but nope, boom, gone. So I'd like to see the people of, of Kempville uh, turn out. Would, it would have been fun to watch that. I'd like to see the farmers go down and talk to her. I'd like to see landowners go down and talk to her. I would like to see a lot of people go down, people who have hydro bills, that all of a sudden, magically, did you notice they're starting to go down? Yeah, guess what? That'll last a lot the next election. And then they're going to start going straight back up to the moon again. She is a master at buying votes. And this is no different. She's going... To, this, this kind of stuff, I just... <sighs> so, yes, it would have been very interesting to see if anybody... Um, uh, if anybody got a chance to... Uh, uh, go down and see what she had to say, how that went. It probably was very orchestrated, hand-picked children, hand-picked parents. So she, she, with a popularity of about that of uh, uh, glowworms, I don't think she's going to be very, you know, doesn't want too much interaction with the great unwashed. So we'll see how that goes. But uh, I'll be reading the papers tomorrow, that's for sure. All right, now, 
let me see. Oh yeah, back to more news in Ontario. Now this is a story uh, from a website called Canadian Manufacturing. Now these people uh, are the people who employ pretty much everybody else. Most people in this province work for small to medium enterprises. Many, much of it is in manufacturing, you know, everything widgets to buttons and so on. And uh, this rise in the minimum wage is going to kill, according to them, 185,000 jobs and cost the economy of Ontario $23 billion. Now, a lot of people are saying, well, it's all scare tactics. We hear this from the left all the time or from the right all the time, every time, because they don't understand the people who, who have this, who think it's a great idea. Excuse me. <coughs> who actually think this is a great idea have said that, you know what? We don't want, uh, how do I put it? We don't want, we want people to have a living wage. That's what I'm trying to say. They want a living wage. Oh, man. The minimum wage was never about a living wage. The minimum wage was about making sure that kids get a chance to earn experience. And it, it, I don't even, if you really want to get down to it, the government should never impose a wage on top of people, uh, on top of employers. And then you get the response, well, they'd all get them who work for nothing. Would you work for nothing? Now, if you are inexperienced and have and don't bring anything to the table except the willingness to learn, just how much do you think your effort is worth? There's a reason why we pay people who are highly trained and skilled and things like that um, more money than we pay people who deliver the paper, flip burgers, or pour coffee. It doesn't take much skill to do that. Okay, so why should they get $15 an hour? And think about the ripple effect. So this, this article uh, talks about it, and I have it uh, posted on my Facebook page. Let me just read you a couple of paragraphs. The Ontario government's plan for major labor reforms would have significant side effects that would put 185,000 jobs at risk. A coalition of business groups said releasing its part, uh, part of its analysis in the proposed legislation. The Economic Analysis Commission by the Keep Ontario Working Coalition found that Ontario businesses stand to take a $23 billion hit within two years of the implementation of Bill 148, largely due to a minimum wage increase. The coalition, which includes groups such as the Ontario Chamber of Commerce and the Retail Council of Canada, said that changes proposed in the bill would force employers to find creative ways to cut costs, such as hiring less and increasing automation. Look, we all know that automation is coming. There is no doubt about that. Um, but at the same time, there's no reason. There, there's certainly... Look, I, he, let me give it to you this way. I've got, in my own family, in my own personal circle, uh, let's see, one, two, three, four, five kids between 17 and 23 or 4, depending where you want to draw the line, who are just entering the work workforce. And they're making whatever minimum wage is now, eleven seventy an hour or whatever it is. Okay? They come to the table relatively unskilled. Like my youngest son, Mark, works at a grocery store. Okay? It's his first job. I'm, not, I'm ecstatic for him. He's learning responsibility. He's learning how to handle money. He's learning all the things that your first job teaches you. But at the same time, there's no way 
he brings $15 an hour worth of labor to the table, or worth of skills to the table. And one of the things that was uh, going over this evening before the show was that minimum wages was, uh, have an impact that go way beyond, uh, you know, what the intended consequences are. Like, if you go out to where I live, out in the valley, $15 an hour is a pretty good wage for a lot of people in the valley. So if you take it, let's say there's a sawmill out there called Oakham's. I have no idea how many people work there. It's a big mill. Okay, but let's say for the sake of argument, there's 50. Okay, you've got the sorters, you've got the sawyer, you've got the, the people who stack the lumber, the people who, you know, run the lift trucks, and just whatever jobs there are. They make somewhere around $15 an hour once they've been there for a little while. Okay, some a little bit more, depending on what they're doing and the skill set. Like the guy who runs, actually cuts the lumber, is going to make a lot more money than the, well, a lot by valley standards, going to make a little bit more money than the guy who piles it. Okay, just because it takes more skill to cut a board nice and straight and square than it does to put it in a pile. This is just the way it is. But what happens when somebody comes along and says, okay, here's a young man, 17 years old. He's going to get his first job working in the mill. And you got to pay him 15 bucks an hour. So he's going to start where everybody else had to work three or four years there to get to. How does that work? What's it going to do? So Oakham's is going to say, look, I can't afford to pay somebody who can only stack lumber. Okay? Or, you know, I got to train. I got to invest in because I need a certain set of skills. Now, at five, six, ten bucks an hour, I can do it. But I can't do it at 15 because I have an envelope in my, in my uh, cash flow that's set aside to pay people. And there's only so much money in that because I don't have enough money in all the other envelopes to pay the hydro. You don't talk about a place that uses hydro. Uh, you know, to look after improvement in equipment, to, uh, you know, advertising and sales and all that stuff, uh, to pay the guys who run the machine shop to fix all this stuff that breaks because the mill's a, a high-intensity, you know, kind of an operation. So they have a lot of machinery in there and they need something to get broken. They send it to the shop. They weld it all back together put it back in service again, those guys, they get a lot more than 15 bucks an hour. They're machinists. So they're going to make, you know, a lot more money than that. So he's going to say, I, I just can't afford to take on anybody new right now. At least not unless they come with $15 an hour's worth of skills. So it's going to kill jobs for the young people who are out there desperately seeking that first opportunity that Kathleen Wynn and her bunch of clowns down there are going to deprive them of and yet they're the ones who's trying to help this goes back to the old saying the most terrifying well it's not that old one Reagan coined it uh, but it's old old enough the most terrifying sentence in the human in the English language is hi I'm from the government I'm here to help with that I'm going to take my top of the hour break and we'll be back with more on the other side So Nick is reloading and taking a much-needed break. 
Not that he needs one. But maybe it's a good thing. So if you want to fire him off an email, just uh, send it to Nick at LateNightCouncil.com. That's simple, huh? Nick at LateNightCouncil.com. Or better yet, call now. Hey, I know he could talk forever, but you know what? If you're doing talk radio, you love the calls. 343-700-4390. That's 343-700-4390 for the Capital Region. And if you can't get through on that line or you live far, far, far away, like we're talking about Alaska, 1-844-562-4766. That's 1-844-562-4766. Now, our call service is automated. You won't be talking to a live person until you're live on air. Don't sweat it. Just follow the prompts and while you're on hold, and, and you'll be fine. night does not exist without advertisers so if you want to buy time you contact either myself jc at late or you can contact nick if you're more comfortable with him and of course i certainly understand that you can contact nick at late the ads are like really really cheap i mean you're gonna you're gonna love them okay you're, you're, we've, we've made them quite accessible Feedback is always welcome. Tell us what you like. Tell us what you don't like. And thanks for tuning in. Now, back to Nick at Night. All right. Now, I'm reading through some of the comments that I didn't get a chance to see during the last little monologue. Um... Some people are saying they can't hear me. Now, that's really weird because I didn't change anything. So if you can hear me, let me know. Because there's no point in me babbling on if there is a problem. Yes, I can hear you. Okay, good. Just want to make sure. Uh, I would hate to go on for an hour and have most of you not be able to hear me. That would be a bad thing. All right. Uh, There are a couple of things. There is a very disturbing, uh, very disturbing story uh, let's see. It's out of, is it Denmark? I believe that's where it's from. Uh, they've almost completely eliminated Down syndrome, but you won't. Th- look, okay. And when I say it's disturbing, because this is, it really, I don't care what your attitude is about the topic. But they have decided that if a baby is has, if they do prenatal testing and discover Down syndrome, they abort the child. Now, I don't care what your position is on abortion. This is just outright terrifying. This is eugenics. All right, let me share this uh, some of this story with you. 
With the rise of prenatal screening tests across Europe and the United States, the number of babies born with Down syndrome, Down's syndrome has significantly decreased, but few countries have come as close to eradicating it. Uh, <clears throat> oh, Iceland, sorry, in Iceland. I, th- I was accusing Denmark. Um, eradicating Down syndrome births as Iceland. Since prenatal screening were, tests were introduced in Iceland in the early 2000s, the vast majority of women, close to close to 100%, who received a positive test for, for the syndrome terminated their pregnancy. While the tests are optional, the government states that all expectant mothers must be informed about availability of screening tests, which reveal the likelihood of a child being born with Down syndrome. Around 80 to 85% of pregnant women choose to take the prenatal screening test, according to the University Hospital in Reykjavik. Okay, so, look, I am well aware that children with Down syndrome are a handful and that it is a lot of work to look after uh, children with with these kinds of uh, um, diseases. This isn't the right word. Um, uh, Affliction, I guess, is probably the best, best way to put it. But... You realize how terrifying that sounds? Look, if the only reason, like even, I am absolutely pro-life, there's, and I make no apologies for it. I think that life begins at conception and ends at natural natural death. Okay, now, uh, <clears throat> there are certainly a lot of people out there who disagree with me, but this isn't about, you know, um, you know, they test the baby and they find out the only reason the child is terminated is because it's not perfect. It has a syndrome and it's going to make somebody's life uncomfortable. Well, you know what? Tough. That's just too bad. Like, what's the difference between that and sex selective um, um, Termination of, pre- of, of a, you know, terminating a pregnancy because the baby is not the right gender. Sex selection, um, abortion. What's, what's the difference? And if it's Down syndrome, why not if it, if it has spina bifida? You want to talk about a kid that's a lot of work to care for. Okay, and if that, why not um, um, a whole host of other ones? What if there's a physical deformity? Cleft foot? Cleft palate, I mean, club foot? Who knows? But, and I, I'm doing my best to stay away from the, from the Hitler eugenics program analogy, but that's how that got started. They didn't start rounding up Jews and throwing them into death camps right off the bat. They started this way. Now, I'm not suggesting for a second that, that's, that Iceland is headed down that road. But why would we ever go anywhere near that? You know, one of the things you discover when you deal with handicapped people is just because their bodies don't work the way they would like to, sometimes they are some of the most brilliant people you've ever met. There's a, a one of the... Is it Hawkins? Uh, there's a, a, one of the world's great philosophers right now. Is a guy who's a quadriplegic or he's... Uh, he, runs, he runs around in a wheelchair. Okay. There's uh, the case of the um, uh, the conservative MP, or was he a liberal? I forget. There's a, limp, uh, a member of parliament who's a para- who's a quadriplegic. Okay, now that may have happened after birth, but what if he was born that way and grew up 
living in a wheelchair. We would have been deprived of that, of whatever he can offer. Because just because the package doesn't work right, the outside exterior has problems, doesn't mean the brain's no good. There was a young boy that I know, I don't know, um, I don't know him, but I know the story. And the story was he had a disease or a, a, a genetic defect that made his, his uh, bones exceptionally brittle. And everybody felt sorry for him. But he was always happy. He was always cheerful, always in a lot of pain uh, because of the, the, the um, scenario that, he, that, you know, life, the cards life dealt him. And they were wondering, you know, what, what's a, what about this kid's quality of life? How can, he, how can he have any meaningful life like that? And the boy said, you don't understand. I'm not upset I am this way. Because if I wasn't, I wasn't, if I wasn't like this, I never would have met all you wonderful people. He was more interested in the welfare of those around him than he was in his own, in his own situation. Because he, 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 he drew out of them their best. Because they, lit, they were trying to serve him and they were actually serving each other on different levels. And these are the kind of things we deprive ourselves of if we start looking for nothing but we, we won't accept any flaws. Okay? And this is what leads to this kind of thinking. Well, I, I, oh, I just couldn't. I, I, I couldn't. Even. How many times when I tell people how many kids I have, all right, they go, eight kids? I could never have eight kids. Yes, you could. Yes, you could. You sell yourself way too short. My answer is, man, if my wife and I can do it, anybody can. Now, that may be true. That may be some people just, and they have their own reasons. I'm not trying to pass judgment on anybody. But the bottom line is, don't limit yourself just because you've never done something. And if it's hard, you know what? There's nothing in life that's worth anything that isn't hard to do. Anybody can lay on a couch and get nothing done. That's easy. But how many people could improve their lives tremendously by going out and trying something they've never done before? Trying. What about, you know, maybe you, you think, oh, 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 I'm afraid of heights. I could never climb a mountain. Well, don't start with the mountain. Start with a tree. Stretch yourself a little bit. Don't let your fears, you know, box you in. Stretch your boundaries a little bit. Having to deal with somebody who is handicapped. People, I think a lot of times, get very selfish because, oh, that's... And you know what? I'm guilty of it, too. There are times in my life when I've got relatives uh, that I just... Do I really have to? I don't want to. I, you know, I'd rather just continue doing what I'm doing. But you have to put yourself out and say, you know something? This individual did not ask for this. This is not something you went looking for. The situation happened to them, whatever that situation is. They didn't go looking for it. And now, in order for, for them to have any kind of life, you, and I'm pointing at me, have to get off your butt and go and make sure they are looked after properly. People will bend over backwards to save a squirrel while their parents languish forgotten in an old folks' home. You know, they'll save a raccoon 
but won't think twice about bad-mouthing their kids. Where are the priorities in that? It's a, it, this kind of stuff. I know I'm ranting, but it just it's frustrating. Anyway, uh, so this whole story about the Down syndrome, it's very, very chilling. I don't like where this is going, um, you know, and I certainly hope that people see this and recoil in horror because I don't want to see anything like this come anywhere near this country. And yet I already know it's happening. That's the part that's scary. As horrifying as this is, you know full well there's certain segments of the population who are into gender-selective abortion that are into all kinds of things and wouldn't even think twice about aborting a baby that isn't perfect for that reason alone. Never mind it might be a threat to the mother's life. Never mind anything else. They say, oh, oh, nope. Nine toes? Nope. Not, can't handle that. That would be too inconvenient for me. You know, Down syndrome? Spina bifida? You know, Tourette syndrome, whatever it is. Oh, boy, can't have that. That would actually mean I'd have to put somebody else first. And that is what I find. That, you know what? That is the single most terrifying thing of the whole thing. We'll be back with more right after this. Ron Barr, General Manager and CEO of the Greater Ottawa Truckers Association, <coughs> the voice of independent truckers in the Ottawa area and proud supporters of Nick at Night. Every day we go to work to help build a better eastern Ontario, and safety is our top priority. Every start of the shift, our drivers perform inspections on their truck, so we ensure that our drivers go home to their families each night, and you, the public, have confidence that the big truck beside you is safe. If you have any issues relating to any size truck, I encourage you to contact me at 613-738-1639. Let's build a better, fatality-free Ottawa together. For 17 years, I've been taking my cars to Irwin's Automotion. 17 years ago, Irwin was renting space on the corner of Bank and Heron. His encyclopedic knowledge of all things mechanical and his no-bull honesty has resulted in his second move. He now operates a huge facility on Cleopatra, eight bays, and an expert staff that operate all in the same wavelength. Honesty, integrity, try to save the customers some money and headaches. But fix it right the first time. Irwin's Automotion, 34, Cleopatra. Tell them Council sent you. That'll make them smile. I've been talking for a while now about this uh, culture war going on in the United States right now, and it's happening while we speak, uh, right now, literally, this moment. Uh, and what's scary about it is we are actually ahead of them. We started this before they did. Uh, there's been a lot of talk, and I'm talking about the, the, taking, the desire to take down the statue of Lord Cornwallis in Halifax because it offended a particular group. The fact that you know this, this guy 268 years ago uh, was doing things that everybody was doing at the time. They just don't want to talk about it. Now, the story out of Baltimore is that the city is taking down statues uh, that some people object to in the quiet of the night, which really... All right, here's a story. It's just a short little story, so um, let me share this with you. I think it's... There we go. i got to get the right spot here. All right, here we go. The city of Baltimore took down a number of Confederate statues in the early hours in the early hours of Wednesday. Uh, 
A seven-member commission chosen by the city's mayor proposed to remove both the Roger B. Taney Monument and the dual monument of Robert E. Lee and Thomas J. Stonewall Jackson earlier this year. Some of the monuments have been vandalized over the weekend in the wake of the racist rally in Charlottesville, Charlottesville, Virginia. Images posted on Twitter early Wednesday showed the Taney Monument in addition to a Daughters of the Confederacy Monument being carted away on trucks after they were removed from their pedestals. A member of the commission said the statue of Taney, a chief justice of the U.S. Supreme Court, should be dismantled because of his authorship of the Dred Scott decision, which supported slavery, was pure racism. The monument to Jackson Lee and Confederate generals of the Civil War was in the process of being removed by a crane around 2.30 a.m., according to a live video feed on Periscope by the Baltimore Dick Spectator. All right. Look, nobody says history is perfect. Nobody says that. And if they do, then they're just... The reason why we put up monuments is to remember people. Now, if there's somebody... Like, I wouldn't condone a Hitler statue. And the reason I wouldn't is because the experiences that surrounded the Second World War are still in living memory. And for me, that's a huge thing. Like, when Harper apologized for the Chinese head tax, it made sense. Because people who suffered under it were still alive. Okay? And the apology could go directly to the people affected. All right? So, I don't want to be accused of having a double standard here. The point I'm making is that when you have a statue of an event that happened, well, the the Civil War ended in 1865, so it's well over 130 or 40 years ago now. Everybody affected by the Civil War, in a direct fashion, are now dead, both from the North and the South. So having statues that show who these people were is a matter of historical record. It's about where, what kind of things the country has gone through to end up where it is today. It's not condoning slavery. It's not about that. It's about who was on what side, and what they represented. And you can't change history just because it offends you. There's, you know, one of the biggest... We don't have a lot in our history that I really get embarrassed about, but there is one thing. William Lyon Mackenzie King, leading up to World War II, when the Jews were fleeing Europe because they could see what was coming, there was a ship, and I forget the name of it, but it showed up off... In, in Halifax or off one of, the, one of the Canadian ports on the eastern seaboard. Well, there really is only Halifax. Um, and it got turned around and sent back to Europe because nobody wanted those Jews. And most of them died in, in the Nazi death camps. That's a black mark on our history I am not proud of. But I am not willing to erase it from the pages of history just because it makes me uncomfortable just because it's something that was a, a huge mistake, it would cost thousands of people their lives, and is something Canada should collectively be embarrassed about. Well, there's an apology that should be made on behalf of the Canadian government. Because there's probably people who are still alive who were on that ship. You want to make an apology that actually matters? How about that one? Fat chance. Anyway, so the point I'm trying to make is you don't take down statues 
Because part of the reason, and the reason they're doing it isn't, let, let's be honest, it's not about whether or not Robert E. Lee, the leading uh, Confederate general, endorsed slavery. It's about the eradication of culture. It's about the eradication of history. Because if you don't have a culture, then you can replace it with something else. And remember, they're trying, this whole culture war going on in the United States right now is all about destroying the United, the experiment that is the United States and freedom of the individual. That's what's propelling all this. It's got nothing to do with whether or not people think that, you know, they're, they're the useful idiots out there saying, oh, that's offensive because he used to own slaves. You can take down George Washington next. And by the way, there are people who want to do that. The founder of the United States was a slave owner. A lot of people were slave owners at that time. But that was history. You don't change it. You, you live with it. You understand it. You know how it shaped the country that, the, that you became because of it. Okay, all that's true. But this kind of stuff, this is what I mean by a culture war. And it's not the only example. Uh, let's see. Uh, oh, yeah, here's the one. They, they defaced uh, the Lincoln Memorial. And somebody dropped the F-bomb on it and uh, wrote, well, you know, the, uh, the F-bomb and then the word law. They don't like law. Law and order. They don't like it. Uh, the story comes to us uh, from the States, of course. Let me just make this a little larger so I can share some of it with you. Okay, here we go. If there is any wise people left among us, they will recognize that the prompt defacement of the Lincoln Memorial on the National Mall in Washington, D.C. tells us how far America is along the dangerous path of spiritual lawlessness. It didn't take any time at all after Monday's toppling of a memorial to the Civil War dead in Durham, North Carolina, before the tweets were even posted. Today, Confederate monuments. Tomorrow, George Washington. Someone spray-painted an obscenity on one of the columns at the Lincoln Memorial. Uh, let's see. In a way, the Vandal did us a great service by making it so clear this was a downward spiral, what it's all about, and that is screw the law. Screw the law, indeed. The attack on America today is an attack on unifying genius of our founding idea that all men are created equal. The deal is done, and law must take it as a premise. So now they're going after Lincoln, the man who freed the slaves. Remember the Emancipation Proclamation? That's what that was all about, was about setting the slaves free. But that doesn't matter because it's not about slavery. It's about throwing law and uh, law and order out the window and setting in place chaos, anarchy. And yet the left are worried about Trump not speaking out quickly enough about a bunch of thugs down in Charlottesville, North Carolina. South and Virginia, sorry. This is supposed to make sense. This is supposed to be what their their um, oh. it's going to tear that country apart. I would argue it probably is. Anyway, there's more things on the table here. I got to get to, so let's uh, switch. This is just, just I'll switch away from that to topic for a minute because there's other. You know what? There's 
it's it's been in one way the best of times to, to, to steal from the opening line of War and Peace, the best of times and the worst of times, to be a talk show host, because there's so much in the news. It's not hard to find something to talk about. The the downside, the worst of times is it's so. I want to say depressing. It's so overwhelming, negative. It's hard to find stories that are actually worth, you know, pointing out. We've, we had one last week about a cop who went in and bought a guy a shirt and a tie. He got caught trying to steal one at Walmart because he's trying to make a job interview. So the cop went in and bought it for him rather than charge him with petty theft. That's a great story. Great news story. But those are pretty rare. Anyway. So now they've, they've taken this in New York. They have taken this keeping an eye at this safe, whole safety thing and keep and bullying and all this nonsense to a whole new level. Because we all know that smoking is bad for you. They've known it for decades. All of a sudden, it's, you know, not only is it bad, it's morally uh, unacceptable. Uh, it's And the difference is, a lot of people say, well, so is drinking and driving. Yeah, but drinking and driving will kill people instantly. Okay, like <laughs> getting behind the wheel of a car when you're intoxicated isn't just a long-term health effect you have to deal with. It can kill people on the spot. So there's a big, big difference. There's no moral equivalency between the two. Anyway, so this is out of New York. Smoking and vaping are banned in all New York schools. Now schools are testing technology that can smoke out offenders. The new technology inside a little box may play a big role in holding students who break the law accountable. If we get a spike above the line, then we know there's an incident occurring, Digital Flight CEO Derek Peterson said, and now we and we notify the officials. New York Governor Andrew Cuomo in July banned the use of e-cigarettes in all public and private schools. You know something? I don't like smoking, cigarette smoking. I really don't. I think it's a disgusting habit. But if it's as bad as they say that it is, why does the government keep it legal and why do they tax it? Oh, wait, because then they can do the same thing to marijuana and we know all we know all we all know how healthy that is and that's going to make everything okay, so Maybe that I just got it wrong. Anyway, if someone is inside the bathroom and they vape, it will contaminate the air. Our sensor will pick it up and will alert somebody in real time. Hey, there's a problem here. Your air is contaminated. Oh, my God, contaminated air. Somebody could be vaping. Look, I was in a smoke shop, uh, I'll say a month ago, because I didn't get this whole e-cigarette thing. I thought it was a complete thing and just just nonsense. So I went in and I asked the staff to explain this to me. What is this vaping thing I keep hearing about? They said, well, it's a way of getting nicotine without having, you know, satisfying that craving and going through giving somebody the actual physical mechanics of holding a cigarette. If you look back at, at the old war clips and you see guys smoking and, you know, when combat's over or they're getting ready to go into combat, they smoke. And they don't do it because they want the, 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 the smoke from the cigarette. It gives them something to concentrate on to take their mind off what's about to happen or what just did happen. It calms them down. Okay, so this mechanical e-cigarette has the same effect. It gives people a chance to do something with their hands because when you smoke, one of the biggest problems is this: they, they feel like they should be doing something with their hands. My dad told me that when he quit smoking. He said, I just, I feel lost. I feel like I don't know what to do with my hands. 
that smoking, there's, there's this void now because it used to be you'd light a cigarette, you had to hold it a certain way and, you know, the mechanics of smoking and all that stuff. So this stuff satisfies that, but there's no of the none of the other side of nasty chemicals that are in tobacco involved. It's just water vapor for the most part. So this is the big crime of vaping. Okay, they should be promoting it as a way to quit smoking or at least l- l- uh, lowering the risk that smoking poses. But no, they're not interested in that. The device called FlySense can detect gas and moisture in the air, indicating vaping is taking place. A spike in the data means something is suspicious. Peterson said the device then sends an alert to a cell phone. The device has another sensor that tracks peaks in sound levels to also determine if bullying or fighting is possibly happening. So now if kids happen to be near one of these sensors and they start to get a little loud and rowdy, the next thing you know, you get the principal come running down the hallway, break it up, break it up, and all they're doing is goofing off. They're being kids. We've taken this too far. This is just crazy. Well, it seems like the whole planet is going this way now. So, crazy, yes, crazy, no, it absolutely is crazy. All right, let me play a couple of commercials, and I'll be right back after this. EMM Group is the authorized Integraspect distributor for the greater Ottawa area, providing technically advanced insulated concrete farms. The design virtually eliminates waste while providing the ultimate energy-efficient, quiet homes and structures. With over 40 years' experience in the concrete industry, EMM offers the best product to homeowners and contractors. Canadian-made Integraspec is now being used worldwide. More info can be found at Integraspec.com. Don't consider building any other way. Call your ICF specialist, 613-835-2600. Ron Barr, General Manager and CEO of the Greater Ottawa Truckers Association, the voice of independent truckers in the Ottawa area and proud supporters of Nick at Night. Every day we go to work to help build a better eastern Ontario, and safety is our top priority. Every start of the shift, our drivers perform inspections on their truck, so we ensure that our drivers go home to their families each night, and you, the public, have confidence that the big truck beside you is safe. If you have any issues relating to any size truck, I encourage you to contact me at 613-738-1639. Let's build a better, fatality-free Ottawa together. Day after day, alone on a hill, the man with the foolish grin is keeping perfectly still. Nobody wants to know him They can see that he's just a fool And he never gives an answer But the fool on the hill Sees the sun going down And the eyes in his head See the world spinning round Let's go and take a phone call here. Let me click on that. Oh, no, wait. Good evening. Hello. Welcome to the Nick at Night Show. Hello, Nick. It's Kirk, all the way from Newfoundland. Hey, Kirk, buddy. Can you hear me? Going? Yeah, I can hear you fine. How's it going on the coast? Yeah, this shit. Yeah, it's it's okay. It's okay. We've had a fantastic summer. Oh, good for you. What's on your uh, mind? The ship, you're think- the ship you're thinking of was yes. the SS St. Louis. That's it. As a matter of fact, it- as a matter of fact, in the late 70s, they made a major motion picture of that tragic event in American and Canadian history. Really? It starred Lee Grant, Orson Welles, and Ben Gazzara, and Max von Sydow as the captain of that 
infamous ship. Have you? Do you know? Is yeah. it, is that on YouTube? Uh, I don't know. I never looked it up on YouTube. I'm gonna but I saw videos. it so many years ago, and I remember it as if I can see it yesterday, and I, okay, I know the well, tragic events that occurred. Yeah. Okay. Well, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you fine. Um, what I like yeah, you to do for me. Breaking up there. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. What I like you to do for me is I'm going to give you a little bit of homework. If you can find the source okay. for that, uh, send it to me. Yeah, well, I'm not too up on it, but uh, Kirk, uh, that should I be easy well to find enough, out. I know you well enough to know that you've got people around you. If you don't know how to do it yourself, uh, you, yeah. you've got kids, right? Yeah, and they're all grown up, yep. <laughs> so what happens when you get older, Kirk? <laughs> Time waits for no man, well, not guess even what us. Happened 31, hey, guess what happened 31 years ago today? You joined the Navy. No, no, it was on NATO trip, hall number DDH-206, HMCS Saguenay Collider with Type 206 submarine U-17. Was that what? Really? Now, for the for people yeah. listening who don't know, that, uh, yeah, that was, that was, back, was involved that was, in a collision. We were, when it happened, yeah. We were so good at killing submarines, we didn't even know torpedoes <laughs> what to do with our propeller. We, which which yeah, uh, country yeah. was that? Was that a um, was that a uh, West German submarine? Yeah, I thought so. Yeah, there was a there was a Type Two O Six, a very small submarine, small U boat, Two O Six. It, it's it ironic it. that our home number was 206, 206. and oh, U-17 was a type 206. <laughs> yeah, that was just after. <laughs> they tried to sneak in under us, eh? Yeah, nice try. We got them. Uh, do you remember? No, I was. I just got posted it's off just, the ship to go on my fives course at that time. And I went from there yeah, to Yeah, yeah. Spent two years on the Yeah, of course, we had damage underneath eight miss, uh, that, uh That must uh, I Anyway. Was, that must have shook the whole ship when that happened. Oh, yeah, I know. I was in EWCR when it happened. What a jolt. Yeah, all that. But, you know, there was no casualties. Well, you know, I'm obviously glad to hear that. that was, but the, uh, those, the screws yeah. on that ship, uh, for those people who are curious about this kind of stuff, uh, the propellers were 13 feet wide. And so they were yeah. not small. So when they smacked into a, something solid like that, it... I think that bent a shaft, didn't it? Yeah, it did. The port screw was twisted. Yeah, well, and and we 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 had to haul into Hagesan, Norway, uh, for temporary repairs, and Glasgow, Scotland, uh, for the Scottish engineers to put C four or C five explosive to, to, to blow it off. Yeah, that's because it was grinding in inside. Yeah, so naturally we had to be. Escorted back. Little piece of Canadian um, history most of us would never know about. But we still made it back. Well, yeah. Uh, yeah. You wouldn't believe how many people it takes to row a destroyer. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's been fun. <laughs> <laughs> they had to yeah. cut portholes for the wars. Uh, no, I'm kidding. Yeah, but like I said about history, I mean, it seems like, uh, and I blame it a lot on the left-wing news media or or even the American celebrities, because and whatever they're teaching the kids in the universities down there, uh, if you see the old films and everything, I mean, they're acting so dumb and idiotic and kicking uh, a piece of concrete. 
that they just toppled over, like say, yeah, in Durham, that, yeah. North Carolina. I mean, it's dumb, and they have no idea of what they're doing after. And the, some of these monuments have been there, like say, for decades. Yeah. Why it's, are they starting all this garbage well, up now? Because it's all part. In the, Kurt, to be completely honest with you, this is all part of a uh, a desire to destroy uh, the United States culture. Uh, they're after exactly. they, they want to destroy what the UNI, what the United States because if you can't be free there you can't be free anywhere and if they can get rid of no, the I mean, rights, yeah I mean you just cannot erase history just by uh, taking an arm and uh, an object and spitting on it and everything that's that's no point in that no, I, I think like I said I think some young women there and there they're kicking this thing with with their feet and everything I said I hope they don't break their toe well because it, it looks so stupid does. what they're doing, <laughs> you know what I mean? You know something, It's in a lot of cases you're right, these are what we call useful idiots. Um, there are certainly yeah. people, you know, prodding them on to do this, uh, you know, and encourage mm -hmm. them and fanning the flames uh, to try to get this to take root across the country. But I'm hoping that the good people of the United States, the vast majority of them, will see this for what it mm -hmm. is and say, okay, this yep. is enough. And put a stop to it. I mean, this is not like uh, you mentioned Robert E. Lee. Uh -huh. Robert E. Lee was a general's general, a gentle warrior, right? Well, yes, he was, he was Confederate. Yes, yes, he was from Virginia. But he he actually uh, freed his slaves, if, if you want to put it that way, a decade before the war even started. Well, this is the whole right? thing about attacking. He had them as paid state. servants in, 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 his, in his household. And they that's stayed another, on. That's the other thing that slavery because, means different things in different places. I'm not condoning slavery, yeah. but let's at least be honest no. about it. That it doesn't mean the same thing uh, today as it, as it did, let's say, back in the biblical times. That was more indentured servitude. Now, the kind of slavery practiced on the plantations was pretty nefarious. There's, I don't think there's any arguing with the historical record on that front. That you have a lot no. of people who are saying... Um, who are uh, saying that, you know, the kind of things that happened under American slavery during the, that era was a good thing. Mm. Uh, no, I certainly wouldn't mm. support that either. Uh, now, anyway. and, let's, and let's face it, the history of it, the Republicans didn't even start it. It was done, as a matter of fact, uh, the North American Indians themselves owned slaves. Right? Yeah, well, you know? yeah, and, and and like, that's what I mean. And, and the Democratic change. Party... Was aligned with the KKK anyway for decades. And most of the slaves that came to North America, specifically the United States, were sold by natives in Africa when they captured another tribe and took them prisoner. They would sell them off to the slave traders. So it wasn't just a white man thing. Exactly, exactly, the, and that's and, and that's factual history too. Yeah, well, they don't like. So I like facts. like I said, I don't know what 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 they're. Is, is, is like they're trying to rewrite history yeah. with, with the news media then or CNN is atrocious for this. Well, I don't even right? with them anymore. At least when I, I just watched, like I said, I, I was watching Elvis Presley movies all day because I got sick of that up with, <laughs> with, with, with what the news media well, was going on movies, with, right? 
Speaking of movies, the you know, movie you were I, talking about is called Voyage of the Damned. It was made in 1976. Uh, Ted just sent it exactly. via Facebook, so I wanted to say thank you, Ted. Appreciate that. I'll post that on Facebook later so you can watch it because that's a part of our history. That, And again, if I'm going to scream up and down about you can't erase history, that means or change history to suit yourself, that means the ugly parts have to stay with the good stuff. Now, in Canada, we're really yeah, blessed. Really? We have a lot of really good history. But there is these dark chapters and corners. Oh, you know, we, we do whatever our own chapter. Just, I mean, uh, we did the same with the, Jap- with the Japanese Canadians during World schools. War II. There's, there are certain right. things about Canadian history that are not pretty to look at. Kurt, I'm going to let you go. Thank you very much for the call. And, 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 listen, and, and let's not forget this very important point. What's that? Back in the 50s and the 60s, the Democrats have a deplorable history when it comes to basic rights, voting rights. It goes well, back further than that, day, right? far, farther forward than that. But yeah, you're right. Appreciate the call. Yeah, and Senator Robert Byrd, a Democrat, West Virginia senator, right? Yeah. He was Hillary, Hillary and Bill Clinton's mo- uh, mentor. Yes. And he was, a, he was a Klansman himself. Yeah, well, believe me, the, the, the Democrats have a lot <laughs> of blame to go around. You got that right. Appreciate the call, Kurt. Uh, I said you got that right. All right. Appreciate the call. Yeah, right all on. Right. Talk to you later. Okay, uh, we'll take a little break, come back with the final, uh, final chapter in the show tonight, and we'll be back with more right after this. Respect distributor for the greater Ottawa area, providing technically advanced insulated concrete forms. The design virtually eliminates waste while providing the ultimate energy-efficient, quiet homes and structures. With over 40 years' experience in the concrete industry, EMM offers the best product to homeowners and contractors. Canadian-made Integraspec is now being used worldwide. More info can be found at Integraspec.com. Don't consider building any other way. Call your ICF specialist, 613-835-2600. Ron Barr, General Manager and CEO of the Greater Ottawa Truckers Association, the voice of independent truckers in the Ottawa area and proud supporters of Nick at Night. Every day we go to work to help build a better eastern Ontario, and safety is our top priority. Every start of the shift, our drivers perform inspections on their truck, so we ensure that our drivers go home to their families each night, and you, the public, have confidence that the big truck beside you is safe. If you have any issues relating to any size truck, I encourage you to contact me at 613-738-1639. Let's build a better, fatality-free Ottawa together. segment of the show folks if you want to get in a phone call you can do it right now at uh, 613 343 or 844-562-4766 uh, as far as Facebook is concerned I post the numbers there if you want to give if you see them there and want to give me a quick call and make a comment on anything we've discussed or if you've got something new to bring to the table by all means go right ahead <coughs> alright now 
Uh, Dawn post, posted this in Facebook. She said, I heard today, uh, 60% of Americans do not want the Confederate statues removed, while 25% do. Yeah, that's what I thought. That, you know, the vast majority of Americans are just as sick of this as anybody else is. They recognize what's going on. Uh, this is a, a fringe fringe movement. Well, fringe. Uh, they're, they're a dangerous movement. There's no doubt of that. And too many times the police officers are kept back from doing their jobs. I was watching Tucker Carlson uh, interview a former uh, police officer from uh, New York City who was there during the Mary Giuliani days and was also a member of the Secret Service after that. And when Carlson was asking, what's going on? He said, look, in the days of Giuliani, we didn't put up with that stuff. If somebody picked up a rock and threw it, they went to jail. If they busted a window, they went to jail. If they burned a police car, they went to jail. You broke the law. You went to jail. You assaulted somebody. You went to jail. We just didn't put up with it. And that curbed 90 to 95% of this stuff because when people who were knocking over statues, setting cars on fire, having fights like that would, the, the chaos that rained down in Charlottesville, if they know that if they start something that they're going to get arrested, prosecuted, and sent to jail that if they're found guilty, then all of a sudden their courage evaporates like smoke. It's only when they don't think there's anything going to happen to them that get bold. It's kind of like being on, on the Internet or on Facebook. You know, There's a lot of keyboard warriors out there uh, who will make all kinds of egregious comments and say the most outrageous things, but would never, ever think about saying it to your face because that takes courage. You know, To stand up to a man and tell him you disagree with him vehemently and fundamentally you know, face-to-face is something we've, you know, the anonymity provides a level of security um, for the individual so they can pretend to be heroes when they're not. Might be a better way to put it. And, you know, one of the last things I want to mention to you tonight, and you can either send me a comment in Facebook or send me an email to Nick at night at CFRA. Uh, Nick, I said, <laughs> try that again. Uh, send me in to, to uh, Nick at late night um, A lot of times... Right now, I sit around almost 2,500 friends on Facebook. That's neither good nor bad. That's just where it is. And I get friendship requests all the time. Um, and generally, um, there's only two kinds of, uh, of requests I won't grant. Like when somebody, when some 24-year-old uh, female uh, wants me to uh, you know, click on this and go see me on my webcam, that gets dumped right away. And I get a fair number of those. Because they think, you know, fatably old men like me got nothing better to do. So <clears throat> I just get rid of those. And the other one is when I usually there's, if you get somebody with no friends saying, have you heard the good news? You know, it's a, it's a scam. So I just dump them as well. But other than that, I pretty much approve everybody. And once in a while, you find out that the, some of the people who come on, uh, you know, that end up on your friends list, <sighs> they end up getting banned. Now, out of uh, about, let's say it's 2,500 people, I have only had to ban or block about 10, which I think is a pretty good average because it's not about me only wanting to hear one point of view. If people know anything about me, they would know that I really appreciate it having a good conversation with somebody from the other side. There are people on Facebook right now that I respect but completely disagree with, okay? And there are other people who are on the other side who drive me crazy that I have no respect for 
because they bring nothing to the table. They have nothing of value to say. They're simply trolls. They're they're just uh, trying to provoke, uh, you know, long threads of, of animosity. As a matter of fact, I had to jump into a conversation tonight and tell everybody to knock it off. They were starting to, in one guy's case, he was saying, hey, man, let's go seal, deal with this man to man. I said, no, 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 enough of that stuff. All of you are going to get banned if you don't knock it off. So he apologized and said, look, you know, these guys get to me. And I said, I get it. But the other two said, oh, well, we didn't say that. Well, no, you didn't call for violence, but you're like two little children at the end, you know, teasing a dog just out of reach because the dog's on a chain. And then you make a mistake and you're surprised when you get bit. You might have not called for violence, but you certainly egged it on. So don't give me your mock innocence. Okay. So the question I get where I'm going with this is, at what point do you decide to block somebody? I don't like doing it because I like, there's people out there who have different points of view than I do, and I want to hear from them. And sometimes they're irritating, sometimes they're downright nasty, but overall, I really do believe in freedom of speech. And if somebody has something to say that I don't necessarily agree with, is no grounds for me to block them. The standard that I use is if the conversation gets to the point where there's nothing on the table that's value, when people begin to stay away from a conversation because they, they look at the thread and go, oh, God, I don't want to get into this. You know, I was going to make a comment, but why would I want to get involved in that? And I start getting private messages saying, you really got to get rid of this guy. You know, he's driving people away. That's usually... I'll try and talk to them. And in a couple of cases, I've actually private message. Say, are you really believe this? Are you just, you know, jerking people around to get a reaction? What's going on here? And almost to a man, uh, they all say, oh, no, this is, this is, you guys are all crazy, man. You don't, because you don't see things my way. You're all wrong and you're all idiots. And Okay, you're banned. Because at, at some point, you have to draw the line. So I'm curious to hear how other people do it. Um, how other people decide decide when, because I think a lot of people that are that are in the Facebook community that I've been able to put together feel the same way I do, at least on that front. They may not agree. I don't want everybody agreeing with me. You know, as pleasant as it is, one of the most boring conversations you can have is with people who agree with you, because you say, "Well, X Y Z," and the guy beside you goes, "Absolutely right." Well, what are you going to say now? But if you go, look, this is, and then the guy beside you goes, well, you know, have you, no, I don't necessarily see it that way. Oh, really? Well, how do you see it? Now you've got a conversation going on, and you can learn from each other. But when one guy's running around just screaming at everybody for being, you know, idiots and just greedy pigs and all this kind of stuff, the hammer comes down, and it has to end there. But how do you do it? How do you do it? Send me a note on Facebook. Send me an email, uh, nick at uh, latenightcouncil.com. I'm curious because th that's the standard that I go by. And so far, I've only had to do it about 10 times. And I really, really don't like doing it for all the reasons I've just articulated. But I know that not everybody sees the world the same way. Some people won't put up with that stuff and slam down on it almost right away. And I'm not going to tell you how to run your own Facebook page. It's just not how I do it. Because I enjoy a good debate. I enjoy 
getting in there and, you know, jumping into the arena and drawing my sword and just, you know, have at you kind of thing. Um, that I don't mind. Uh, as a matter of fact, I, it's one of the reasons I became a talk show host in the first place. I just want to know how you do it. All right. Well, we're going to have to take that up next week because we are out of time for this evening. I want to thank Tom Harris for joining us in the first half hour. And I certainly appreciate all the um, uh, participation tonight. I hope you enjoyed the show as much as I did. And with that, I'm going to wrap it up. So we'll see you all again next week. Ubiqueritas et amor. Deo, CBS. Good evening. God bless. Don't let anything disturb your peace. And may you have a fair wind and a following sea. Of all the money that e'er I had, I spent it in good company. And all the harm I've ever done, alas, it was to none but me. And all I've done. For want of wit To memory now I can recall So fill to me the parting glass Good night and joy be to you all <coughs> So And drink a health whate'er befalls Then gently rise and softly call Good night and joy be to you all Of all the comrades that it I had They're sorry for my going away and all the sweethearts that e'er I had, they'd wish me one more day to stay.